Disciples, please, to Matthew chapter 16. You know, yesterday, I thank you for that prayer, and I, I believe that the snap, crackle, pop will continue, and there'll be, a, there'll be a breakthrough. I'm believing that. So, Dennis, when that happens, just get ready. I don't think you can contain it there. Um, we do thank God for his goodness. You know, yesterday, we, for our first Saturday, were praying that God would strengthen the saints and that he would replenish and he would restore and get us ready for this monumental gathering that is of high significance next week. And um, I'll just tell this other testimony. It just still baffles me in some ways, but I'm very grateful. Um, on, on Friday, I had a, a phone call. I mentioned this in Sunday school class. It was arranged and I was speaking to uh, a woman who, uh, who God is dealing with in a, in a wonderful way. And I believe God's going to use her in the midst of an outpost that used to be a very strong outpost for the saints. And then it was taken out in a really nefarious way. But now it's, it's coming back. And so I'm listening and praying. And all of a sudden... I, I'm sitting at my desk, and I feel like I'm going to pass out. And then I feel this, like a knife sticking in my throat right here. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And this lady's still talking, and I'm doing the pastoral, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know. Which you want to let people talk. That's what are you going to say. Sometimes you have to make noise so they know you haven't been cut off, and they've not talked to the air for the last 10 minutes. Well, about five minutes later, I'm... I'm you know, I'm pleading the blood. I'm taking authority over the thing, and I almost pass out again. I never said anything to her about it. But, <laughs> but when we got off the phone, I was praying because the Lord was speaking about what we needed to do next in that region. And uh, I got up, and I, I came in here because I thought this is a monumental conversation, and I have no doubt that that assignment that I'm feeling is coming from a demonic stronghold that is not happy that that call happened. So I'm laying right here, and I'm praying. And when I get up, I'm just feeling so uncomfortable here in my throat. And that continued through uh, the night. And I, you know, early in the morning, I woke up because I couldn't sleep on Saturday. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I don't know what this is. I know it's spiritual, but on the far chance that I could if there's something that I could spread to somebody, I don't want to do it. But maybe I shouldn't go to prayer. And then I immediately stopped that thought because I thought, I have never, unless I was in the hospital and couldn't get out because of the robe that I was wearing, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here. And so I came and I laid over there, and I kept just coughing. I wasn't congested or anything. I you know, I played the blood, I bound, I did all the stuff you could do. You ever read in the scripture uh, how, how sometimes, you ever wonder about Elijah on the top of the mountain, why he had to pray all those many times with his head between his legs? He was a man of faith and power. He just whacked 850 demonic prophets. Why is he having to pray all those times? Go and look, go and look to Gehazi. All I see is clouds the size of a man's hand. You ever wonder why Elijah and Elijah had to stretch themselves out on several occasions for to the raising of, of a dead one. Do you ever wonder why Jesus prayed for the, 
for the blind man twice. The Son of God prayed twice. Did you ever wonder about that? And, you know, here's something that doesn't fit into the paradigm of a lot of spiritual Christian writings. Sometimes our warfare, God is always in control, but sometimes it's stand, and when you've done all to stand. And, um, and then there are times where God just does it. You know, so many times in the, in the book of Acts, people were healed within the 30 minutes after they were, um, they were prayed for or declared over. I remember Peter Wagner preaching a message about that. It was really strange. But I couldn't understand why I wasn't being free of this thing. So I'm laying over there on my side, and um, the Lord spoke to our sister Fran to pray for me because, you know, she's concerned for me just as Tammy was today, and I appreciate all of you. And, you know, I, I received prayer over there while I was still laying. I was facing the drums because, again, I thought, there is no way. I don't know what this is. I'm not going to spread it to France. So I'm just going to lay there and speak into that like I've been doing. So I get up and, you know, I'm still feeling weak. I still feel this thing jabbing in my throat. And so 3 o'clock this morning I get up and I thought, coughing is not getting this thing out of my throat. And um, suddenly the voice came, maybe you should just turn the people over to pray today and not go. And I thought, no, I'm not doing that. It was a good idea. It was a good thought. You know, Debbie and I had talked about that in the evening. And I said, I am going to church. I am not going to miss what I'm supposed to do. Nothing wrong with prayer, but we're going to have a week of prayer. And then I was sitting in my morning chair of prayer. And um, if I was slick, we could sell those. Morning chair of prayer. Les could be our, he could be our salesman since he gets up and watches the sunrise. Um, so, and I drifted back to sleep and I got up at 545 and I stood up and the knife was gone. It was totally gone. And I just gave thanks to the Lord. I thought, what in the world was that? I knew it was an assignment. I knew it was some attack. But my binding, rebuking, loosing, uh, casting out, declaring the blood, putting oil on, even drinking oil mixed with aloe vera, which always does a great thing. I don't know. Within 24 hours, it may do something else. But, you know, I, uh, I thought, okay. But in God's timing, he, he's freed us. And, and so I then immediately began to turn and say, I declare victory over Indiana. I declare victory there. And I declare that what you're doing is going to be greater than anything we've known there uh, for your kingdom's sake. You know, the enemy has come in one way that the sevenfold flea is going to happen. And I, I declared that however the enemy crossed the boundary line to try to attack, um, let him be repulsed many times over and let the blessing of the Lord be released into this house and into the network. So that's, that's my testimony. And I, I'm very grateful for that. You know, I, I still feel a little tired from not getting sleep, but I'm not like many i can't sit back there and sleep during my message so i have to stand up here but i know that the lord's nobody's asleep in here um i'm just joke so that this is really a time of uh this is a time of miracles
And I ask you to turn to Matthew 16, and we're going to read uh, the first, <coughs> excuse me, four verses of this, uh, of this passage. The Pharisees also, with the Sadducees, now that's, that's a demonic miracle right there. You get those two working together. Whew! That's oil and vinegar coming together. Uh, they didn't like each other, so they came together to tempt the Lord, desired to him that he would show them a sign from heaven. There's a lot of unlikely alliances going on in our nation today, aren't there? Things that you never thought you'd see, and um, things in the world that you never thought you'd see. But this is, uh, this is the Lord's response to that. When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. He didn't just leave them. He departed. He didn't just receive it. He accepted it, and he was done with it. That's an interesting thing that Jesus said to these groups of knuckleheads that came to try to deceive him. Um, but what does it mean for us today? What does it mean when he said, you know, in this scenario, especially for the end time, you've got to be aware of the signs, and you've got to be able to discern them um, for the purpose of the Father. And um, I, I think that there are two things that we want to talk about here in regard to our ministry as saints in this nation and in reflection upon the world. Now, there are a lot of obvious signs that anybody can look and see. You know, the, the growing measures of unrest uh, that are bringing together unlikely allies to attack truth, to attack righteousness to attack the Word of God, to attack the people who believe the Word of God. And um, that's a sign. A couple of years ago, we talked about how when the COVID shutdowns were just beginning, we talked about how that um, there was an enemy influence that was coming against our nation, and I suspected around the world, that was an unusual visitation. It was very strong, and it was geared toward um, causing people to react to iniquity. And I was grappling to try to discern what it was. At first, I thought it was the prince of the power of the air, but then there were characteristics that did not make any sense if you review what that enemy influence does. But after these past couple of years, and standing strong and feeling different assaults against us by this enemy influence and seeing its handiwork in this nation, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was made very much aware of what, what this is when I didn't watch uh, Joe Biden's message the other day because I just have no interest in it. 
You know, I, I, I have, I bless him. I, I bless him. I ask God to bless him. But it's hard for me to be praying and offering supplication for a guy that every other sentence he says just irritates me to no end. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a hodgepodge of, of lies and mistruths and attack against righteousness. And if you've listened to any of them, you see it. So uh, I was looking at the, um, the, the highlights or the lowlights of the message where Joe was standing in Philadelphia, one of the cities in my home state, and there was this amazing deep red background behind him. I don't know if any of you saw that picture. But it, it, and he looked really dark with this red background behind him and two, bless their heart, Marines standing there beside each of these red backgrounds. Did any of you see that? It, it, was, it was one of the most outrageous things I'd ever seen. And I thought, all you need is a little black mustache and a couple of white circles with a, with a black swastika on that red, and it would just look perfect because he just damned anybody that was conservative. He said that all of us were, um, were enemies to democracy, and he said all kinds of other stuff. Now, I know it's a precursor to the midterm elections, and he wants to gin up his, his group of uh, anarchists and progressives, but... Um, these were the words that were being said. I don't know which handlers wrote that for him, but he was delivering it with great aplomb. And I saw that, and it just startled me. I thought, I have never seen anything like that. I've seen presidents stand with Mount Rushmore behind them. I've seen presidents stand with, you know, other kinds of backdrops, but I've never seen anything like that. And so I started praying, God, you said that we need to pray for those that have ruled. You said, and you use that supplication. I, I speak that you will save this country. I speak that you will show uh, to people the error, the error of, their, of, their, of their ways and that you would cause this rising tide of totalitarian influence to be repelled and that the momentum of it would go away. I mean... I, this isn't a Republican or a Democrat thing. I don't care if it was Donald Trump or George W. that got up and was talking about conservative people and how we are enemies to democracy and we're, we're a scourge and we're the worst terroristic threat. I would be saying the same thing. The president just does not do that. And it was a false prophecy from a red background. And it, again, I woke up with this knife supposedly sticking in my throat. It could have been a spear. I didn't see it. If I'd seen it, that would have helped me a whole lot more. But, um, and suddenly it dawned on me, what does red represent in the spirit? Why of all colors did they choose that? And of course, we know it's the spirit of judgment and burning on God's end. And on the other hand, it's a Leviathan influence that is the attack force of the enemy. That's what red represents. And then immediately it dawned on me, the characteristics that were represented in this country over the past year is a way that we've never felt Leviathan before. Now, we said Leviathan um, guards over borders, and we know that. We faced off with that as we've entered other countries and other regions. But he also breaks down other barriers, and I think that there are a lot of barriers that he's trying to, to bring about. 
In the book of Job, there is a lengthy description of Leviathan. At the very beginning of it, it talks about three characteristics of the way Leviathan appeals to people. I've not written about this. When I was reflecting on the red background and words that were said and the influence that we felt, I thought, okay, Father, you're speaking about this. I need to look at this in the Scripture. So I read about it. We've written about it in the past, but we never went in a lot of details. There are three characteristics that Leviathan will use. It's at the very beginning of of Job when he's writing about it. The first is, it's kind of like poetic, kind of, you know, Job is kind of, sounds like he's playfully doing things, but he's not. The first is that he uses our word for supplication. Will you enter into supplication with him? Now, it doesn't say that in the good old King James, but that's the word. Now, what's the opposite of grace? Bitterness and failing of grace. Bitterness. There's a whole lot of bitterness that was spewed out that summer of love in 2020. People being killed all across this nation. Um, And a lot of unrest leading up to the election. We saw that. The second characteristic there, either in that verse or the next verse, was that this influence would speak into the areas of wounding or perceived wounding, the areas of weakness, the areas where people may think that they've been done wrong. That's very interesting. And then the third one is making a covenant to make those things right. Those three things are the way Leviathan has been moving in this nation, and it has been stronger than any other kind of influence. I suspect that the entire council of of Demonic Seven have been involved in this, but it really dawned on me that um, that was what was being talked about. And it shouldn't surprise, because you say, well, what does red mean in, in the seven spirits? If you look at Isaiah particularly, you find out what's the backdrop of God speaking about judgment and burning, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of burning. It's the filth of the daughters of Zion. It's interesting. You'd think that spirit of judgment and burning would be one of David's psalms with trumpets blowing and shofars in everybody's hands. And, and um, if they don't have one, Dr. Baker somewhere would emerge to give you one. Um, that's a joke only Dennis gets, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, I, 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 but I read it, and we've written on it and talked about it, but the backdrop for judgment and burning is not some rose full of, of uh, a valley full of roses. It's filth in the daughters of Zion. And that's when the spirit of judgment and burning comes. So on the one hand, you have this enemy influence trying to stir up all kinds of horrible things. I mean, uh, how many of you say at least, you've heard of at least one thing that is just outrageously horrible that's being promoted in this nation? Uh, There are dozens of them. And, And it's breaking down. It's separating. It's... It's tearing apart families to some degree. It's, it's bringing about all kinds of wickedness. And there is filth in the, in the virgins of Zion. And, um, but you see that at the very beginning of Leviathan, before it's even talked about his, uh, his claws and his teeth and the way fire comes out of his eyes and all those other things, that I probably need to start breaking that down and, and giving tactical measures of how you deal with that 
And I'm saying that now, but I know we probably need to do that. It's time. But you can see how they, they parallel each other, don't you? I mean, something has to create the filth in the daughters of Zion, which is designed to stop the spirit of God's law, his purpose, and the spirit of function. And um, you can see how red representing a Leviathan influence of, of strike force the very beginning of, of its magnanimity, magnanimity is, this, um, is this threefold cord of appealing to people to utilize uh, failed grace. Instead of rising into, you descend into bitterness. You focus on all of the poor woe is me things that have happened to you or that you perceive happened. Um, and then a covenant to bring it about. And when that cocktail of demonic begins to flow, especially empowered by this wicked anointing that I think the Lord has allowed to be released in a way that it's never been released. I mean, there have been probably snippets of it in the past. But when I saw that, I, I can't even describe it, that background it was so prominently red, and I, I thought, that's a sign. Because there's nothing appealing about that in the natural. You know, you've got an octogenarian who's white-skinned anyway, putting the backdrop of this dark area in front of Independence Hall with these red things behind it. It just looked weird. It looked ominous. And the words were about that same way. I'm not getting political. I'm talking about spiritual things here. And we better start looking at them because if you listened at all to the speech and if you paid any attention at all, you see that Christians, not just Pneumatikos people, are in the crosshairs. You see that. And we, we are being prepared for a great outpouring of God's Spirit. We know that, don't we? And we... We are, we are being readied by God to know what to do. So how do you counteract that influence, that Leviathan-like influence? Well, you overcome evil with good. You press in in supplication like you never have. You listen to the Spirit, and you, you let God refine in you any measures of iniquity, uh, any, any things that you may be feeling um, even if you've buried them six feet deep, um, and God knows where they are. He's been resurrecting those in me over the past couple of years. And I think now so that there won't be a vulnerability against this influence. And I pray that God will do his perfect work. And then we need to be in covenant with what God has promised. Because his word, his promise, his prophecy cannot be refuted. No matter what the enemy's doing. God will arise and his enemy will be scattered. So we need to see that that is vital for us to recommit ourselves even to a higher degree of offering supplication, yielding ourselves in humility and meekness, and covenanting with the Lord on behalf of all the things that he promised. And I saw that and I see that. But let's get back to what Matthew 16 says. Jesus speaks about discerning the signs of the times. And brother and sister, 
this past week was a big one. I mean, I, I was just flummoxed when I looked at that, and it just hit me deep in my spirit. It, and I'm glad I didn't listen to the message. But uh, I did look at the highlights of what was said, but the picture was enough for me. And then when I saw this, I thought, that sign shows us something, and I'm grateful for it. But what else does Jesus say? This leads us into what we're to be doing this week. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There will be no sign given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, what is that? I think that even though there's a lot of parts to Jonah's story, you know, rejecting the call, not wanting to go to Nineveh, I felt some of those things, haven't you? You know, I see the wickedness, and I think, y'all are going to hell. I mean, I just do. I mean, it's so foul. I'm not wishing them to go to hell. They're just playing the bandwagon going down the road. Imani spoke about that today with a reprobate mind. Not, she didn't have a reprobate mind, but she was teaching on that. And, um, but can I really believe God that he is going to touch those people that are spewing out some of the most vulgar and hateful things I have ever heard openly and uncontestedly expressed in America? Um, I think, I think we need to be ready for God to be able to touch them. And it's like Les was saying in a comment to Sunday school, you can't just pray for the neighbors that you like. You've got to pray for all of them, and the rain is going to fall on the good and bad, the Scripture says. And um, so that's part of the sign of Jonah. <coughs> but the main one was, when he went to Nineveh finally, he asked, told those people, you're, you're on the road to damnation. You need to repent. And you need to put sackcloth on. And you need to come before God or you're going to be destroyed. And you know the rest of that story. Um, those people bought that word and they put sackcloths on themselves and even on their animals, which is kind of weird. But um, that's what they did. Jonah wasn't real happy about it. But to me, the main sign of Jonah was this appeal that the people would fast and that they would don sackcloth because that was the remedy for that society. And so what do we do with that? We've, we've not talked about sackcloth in a long time. We have done lots of different things with sackcloth, both here and, and in other nations. And I think that this week, as we anticipate what is coming in our responsibilities for next week, I think we need to be preparing a spiritual atmosphere as well as um, a physical atmosphere, which I've already talked about with gratitude that this congregation has done. And I would invite every one of you to find some time every day where you put some measure of black clothing on and you you pray and you repent for this land you repent for the words and the evil words that are spoken and you repent for the ways that people have 
bonded themselves in covenant with the demonic strategies. And ask God to do that. We're going to have a prayer time here this Wednesday. If, if you can come at 6, be here. If not, pray at home. Don't miss this. And I'd like for everybody that comes then to wear something black. And we're just going to ask the Lord for our country and for our mission that there would be a measure of spiritual repentance and a turning back to God. God moves in those ways. John the Baptist clothed himself in sackcloth. And the friend of the bridegroom is, is called to do that. And, and so, but every day this week and then Wednesday, and of course Saturday is prayer time, but let's, let's do that. And I'm inviting our network family to also join in that in whatever way the Lord would put on your heart because that's the sign that the prophet Jonas delivered to Nineveh. And that's what um, I believe we need to offer to God first. And knowing, knowing what that represents, a turning from darkness to light, a recognizing of the, of the depth of darkness and welcoming the light of the Lord to shine through it, to shine out of it, and to shine all around it. So that's our prayer mission for this week. And to me, it's, uh, it's, it's really a spiritual prophetic activation, but it's also supplication, humility, and a covenant with God for what he's prophesied. Now, I don't know how God's going to use that. That's not my business. We just obey. And I believe that that is going to achieve something in the Lord. And it will help us, too, as we welcome our Saints Network family next week. Now, normally on the Wednesday night before seminar, we ask people to go throughout the church and pray. Uh, you please do that, too, while you're here praying on that night. Uh, pray over things. As for the anointing. Um, let's go to the places where meetings will be and let, let's pray over the pews and let's pray over everything. Uh, but let's do so in the prophetic point of obedience of sackcloth. So I, didn't, I, I speak blessing over this nation. I speak blessing over President Biden. I speak blessing over his family. I speak that uh, whatever was intended um, for evil in those words, whoever wrote them, would be turned to good. And maybe we should ask God to do that because they were some very caustic and aggressive words. But we speak blessing. And, and maybe even we should speak a word of forgiveness for that and for those who formulated those expressions because anybody who wrote that speech did not have good intentions i mean if you look at it there is no way that was to edify exhort and to comfort and it certainly wasn't the great unifier but this is a the leviathan influence it's it's designed for many reasons it's designed to really destroy the inner fabric of this country it's, it's designed to pit one against another. 
while at the same time you have our two greatest political and military foes working together right now in the Pacific with war games between Rus with Russia and China, which is not really a nice thing to see. What's their objective? Who are they fighting against? The Maldives? Madagascar? It's the good old U.S. of A. So the enemy, divide and conquer, would love to break down the barrier of what this country represents in, in, from a Christian nation in God we trust, and he's doing a pretty good job of it. You've got to give credit where credit is due. But to, to really make it impossible for us to believe for a miracle, uh, if, if war comes, do you know how many times God intervened on behalf of this nation during World War II? You know how many times God intervened on behalf of this nation in the Revolutionary War? Um, sending a tornado to stop the British from totally obliterating Washington, D.C. during the War of 1812. Um, sending a fog, a thick fog, to cover George Washington's escape from, uh, from the British in New York City and to be able to ferry all his troops across that water. Those are divine, divine interventions, and many of them happened in World War II. Many of them did. Because the people were different people then. They believed, not all of them did, but many of them believed in God. And they were praying. And they were calling on the Spirit of the Lord to save their sons, their husbands, in some cases their grandfathers, and to preserve them on foreign fields of battle thousands and thousands of miles away. I know that there would be a people, a remnant that will pray. But I'm telling you, if this nation doesn't change, God is not going to wink at it anymore. So I believe that we need to offer this week of prophetic prayer for the coming of the seminar, but also it's necessary for what we're going to be proclaiming and inviting the network to partner with in this breakthrough moment, this, 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 uh, this moment where we're positioned to move forward. This is so strategic. It's a point of obedience, and God's going to bless it. It's going to pave the way for the spirit of judgment and burning to come, but it's not a kingdom now thing. That will, that will take place for a while, and then it'll kick back in to what the Scripture says is going to happen because no revival is going to stop what God has promised is coming. You know that. So you read the book of Daniel, and you find those tremendous swings where the, saint, the saints have been given the kingdom, and then they're overcoming, and then the enemy overcomes and then the saints overcome again and then there's why isn't it a linear thing why isn't it that way because God doesn't often move that way it's a walk of faith and so we're believing for a great breakthrough we're gonna we're gonna see a time where we have a window of opportunity to work for the night comes when no man can work and um, but, but we need to pave the way and partner with the Lord to do whatever we can as saints to believe for 
his promise because everything begins with a voice. God always looks for an intercessor, and that's what you are. So this sign of the prophet Jonas, we're going to offer this week. And it's things that you can do in your home. You can come up here. You all have keys. You can come in here and pray. Um, you, uh, if you can come on Wednesday night, that would be great. Saturday morning, uh, let's, let's pray. But don that sackcloth. Rehearse the things that have been taught about what sackcloth represents and what it does in the spirit realm. And um, I remember we had a picture. We had a team of maybe 13 people that went over to France. And we were all dressed in black. We were the Johnny Cash Society. And um, there was this goofy woman. And, and there are goofy people. That's not a criticism. How many of you know a goofy person? Calling, them, calling a rooster. A rooster is not an assault. But this woman was from Quebec. She was greatly offended because we were all dressed in black because here, here, here it is. Wait for it. That's what the KKK wore in the United States. And she was spreading that, and I got the leader, and I said, you need to get up, and you need to tell these people. I've already preached on it twice. Maybe in her fledgling understanding of English, she didn't grasp it, but it's in the scripture. And I pulled up a picture of what the KKK looked like on my phone. It's not my photos. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it was online. I said, what color are these people wearing? I said, you need to get up and you need to say this over this people and remind them as to why we're dressed this way. But it, I thought that was just funny. I, I, it just really was funny. I cackled over that. Uh, if Rachel had been there, she would have been laughing. Oh, it was so funny. I'd have sent Rachel to straighten that woman out. Of course, I'm not sure somebody speaking Quebecois would have understood what you were saying because they speak a totally different version of France. You know, they still call cars chariots, which is kind of funny. Like they're frozen in time. So get ask, when Luke comes next time, ask him. He'll, he'll wax eloquent on that. So this week prayer, um, sackcloth time. Saturday, I think I'll probably send an email. I may refresh that on Wednesday, even though saying what I'm going to speak on beforehand is a fool's errand. So I might say something about it. I don't know what the Lord will have me share, but I do know that this is of the Lord. It's a sign of the prophet Jonah, and it's based on the sign, the, the remarkable sign that was shown to this people last week. And I'm so grateful to the Father because it did show what enemy influence is back behind all this. <coughs> it's amazing to me. Father, thank you for the way you've moved among this people today. From the very beginning of our time together to now, I sent your spirit so wonderfully. And I ask for an anointing to come upon every one of these intercessors and those who are joining with us from so many places around the world in this city. I ask you, Father, that you would release an anointing to them to partner with you in this prophetic invitation. I ask that we would be the friends of the bridegroom. And I ask that we would fulfill what you want us to be and to do. Help us to gird ourselves up in supplication, in meekness, in humility, in forgiveness, 
and in covenant with you on behalf of what you have said you're going to do. The enemy will not be able to change this time. It's ordained by you. And I pray that you'll use us in intercession this week to facilitate to whatever degree you've required of us what you've ordained. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Bless this congregation. I continue to hold on to the healing that was spoken over each of you earlier in this service. And let God arise and whatever is coming against you be scattered. Strengthen your people and use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tolerating this. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you in prayer. I'll be the what guy wearing black. Bye. <laughs>